Today's daf is Tetvav in Masechet Rosh Hashanah. We will begin five lines down from the top of Tetvav, Tetvav Amud Aleph with the words Maishina. Maishina Atam Dekatani Imaita Shnia Nechnesa Deshtishit. Umaishina Achad Dekatani Imaita Shtishit Nechnesa Derevi'it. Earlier, a couple of Dapim ago, when we spoke about grain that had uh, overlapped two years and we had to determine which year would be the one that would establish its obligations for Maaser. Uh, that was on Yud Bet Amud Bet. The example of produce that was going from the second year into the third year was used. But here, when we talk about an etrog that spans two years, we talk about a third year extending into a fourth year, meaning that it began to blossom in the third year and it was picked in the fourth year. Why didn't they use the same example of second into third? Why did they use the, thir- the third into fourth? It's to teach you something incidental. That is, That uh, the being handled, having a lot of hands on the etrog tree is negative for the tree. It discourages the growth of the tree. And since during Shemitah, it is hefker, anybody can take it. There's people all over the tree taking all the fruit. And so it takes it three years to recover before it starts to grow fruit again. And that's why it uses the example of fruit that formed in the third year and was picked in the fourth year instead of formed in the second and picked in the third. Even though something formed in the second and picked in the third would have the same kind of issue that there are different obligations of Maaser in the second year of the Shemitah cycle than in the third. Uh, we use the third going into the fourth because it's more accurate in the case of the Etrog because the three years after Shemitah, uh, the first two years, it really wouldn't bear any fruit anyway because it was, so to speak, traumatized by all of the handling that it endured during the Shemitah. When is the Rosh Hashanah of the Etrog? He answered him and said, Shvat. So he said, Shvat, Echodashim, Shvat, it's Kufa. There's two different ways we can understand the idea of Shvat. In other words, you can understand Shvat in the typical way uh, that we calculate the months according to the appearance of the moon, and Shvat then turns out to be the uh, 11th month of, of the year, uh, with Adar being the last one of the biblical months. Or it could be Shvat, it's Kufa, which means that uh, we count by the solar year. Uh, meaning that we we calculate 30 days after Kufat Tevet, after the winter solstice, we count 30 days after that, and that's what's considered Shvat. In other words, there's a solar concept of Shvat. And Amalei said, no, the Chodashim, we go by the lunar month, not by the solar. Some say this was also Rabbi Yochanan asking Rabbi Anai, if it were, were a Shana Meuberet, if you have an extra month, intercalated into the year. So what's the status of Tu B'Shvat then? Because should we say that really Shvat means this, the penultimate month of the year, meaning normally Adar is the 12th month of the biblical year, which begins in Nisan. So the 11th month is Shvat. When you have a leap year, the, the, uh, what happens is there are 13 months. So if we're going by whatever is the uh, second to last month of the year. So then in that case, it would be Adar Aleph. It wouldn't be Shvat anymore because you have an extra month to put there. So maybe in leap years, instead of going by Tu B'Shvat, we should go by Tu B'Adar Aleph. So it says, no, we go by the majority of years since in the majority of years. The second to last month is Shvat. We do the same even in a year where there's an additional month inserted. If you have an etrog that formed in the sixth year of the Shemitah, but it was picked in the seventh year, it is exempt both from maaser, from tithing, as well as from being eliminated from the house 
which is something that happens to produce of Shemitah when the uh, field no longer has certain fruits available in it, certain items available in it. You're not allowed to keep them in the house either. There's a whole discussion of exactly what Be'or entails, but that's not that's beyond the scope of this discussion. Uh, you can look in the different Rishonim, the Rambam's position, the Ravad's position, <coughs> etc., about what the Be'or actually means here, the Ramban's position. Um, but basically it has to do with how we treat Perot Shavit, how later in the season, uh, how we treat the uh, fruits of the seventh year. So it's saying that it's exempt from Maaser, but it's also exempt from Be'or, which is a little bit of a problem. Uh, as the Gemara is going to point out, similarly, if the etrog formed in the seventh year, but it was picked in the eighth year, or should probably say, then it's exempt from Maser, but it's obligated in Bior. In other words, it does have the status of seventh day produce. So there's a problem here because if we're going by when the fruit formed, so then it makes sense that if it formed in the sixth year, but it was picked in the seventh, so it's not considered Shemitah produce because it was formed in the sixth. And in the second case, where it was formed in the seventh and picked in the eighth, it makes sense that it would have would it would be treated as ma- <coughs> as shemitah produce because uh, it was formed in the seventh year. But there's a problem with one detail here. We understand the latter part. It makes sense to be stringent. In other words, you're saying that it's exempt from be- it's obligated in biur because we treat it as perot shvit. We treat it as shemitah produce uh, because it formed in the seventh year. Um, but we, and therefore it's also exempt from Maaser as a result of that. But the first, because there's no Maaser obligations on Shemitah produce. However, the first part that says that uh, it, if it grew in the sixth and, it, and, it, and was picked in the seventh, that there you'd be exempt from both Maaser as well as uh, from the laws of Shemitah. It doesn't make any sense. If you're saying that we're going by the formation of the fruit, and that's why you say it's not obligated in Bi'ur, in other words, it's not obligated in getting rid of it, the way that you get rid of Shemitah produce at a certain point in the season. So, But if that's the case, that we're not treating it as Shemitah produce, because we're saying you don't have to get rid of it late in the Shemitah year, so then uh, why shouldn't it be obligated in Maaser? It's not, it's not Shemitah fruit, so why shouldn't it be obligated in Maaser? So basically what Rabbah is saying is it's true that normally in a, if this produce were Shemitah produce, which means it doesn't belong to the owner, it belongs to anybody and whoever comes and takes it can have it, so then there's no obligation of Maaser. In the case uh, in the case where the fruit took shape and formed and blossomed in the sixth year, but it was picked in the seventh year, technically it's considered sixth year fruit, so it wouldn't be subject to the laws of Shemitah. So the question is, but since people go out into the fields in the seventh year and they're going to pick whatever they can find, including this thing that formed in the sixth year, they're not supposed to, but they will anyway. So it's treated like perot It's treated like the fruit of Shemitah, and therefore it wouldn't be obligated in Maser either, according to Rabbah. He's basically saying, since for all intents and purposes, practically speaking, people treat it like it's the perot because they'll take it out of the field and they'll take it home. So then it doesn't really have an owner and you can't obligate the owner in Maser. Hamnunah has a little bit of a different take here. But if the fruit became formed, in the sixth year, it's always considered a sixth year fruit, even if it was picked in the seventh. And if something formed in the, uh, in the, uh, we're talking about the etrog, if the etrog formed in the uh, seventh year and ended into, into the eighth year, it's considered like Shemitah produce because it was formed in the seventh year. So that's the difference between Rav Hamdunah and Rabbah. They agree basically on uh, on everything that we go by when the fruit formed. The difference is that according to Rav Hamdunah, since technically if it formed in the sixth year, 
and you picked it in the seventh year, it's considered sixth year produce, and that seventh year you have to separate maser. Rabbah says, no, since for all intents and purposes people will still treat it like Shemitah because they'll still come and they'll still take it without having to ask permission. So it's considered to not be owned, not be owned by anybody, to be ownerless. And therefore, uh, and therefore Maser will not apply. But Rav Hamdunah says technically it does apply because technically it does belong to the owners and the people are not supposed to be taking it because it's not really Pirot The fact that they do take it is their problem. They're stealing. But that shouldn't affect the Maser obligation on these fruits. Maybe there is an objection. Rabbi Shimon ben Yehuda, Rabbi Shimon ben Yehuda, and then Rabbi Shimon etrog, but shishid, if a etrog forms in the sixth year and it's picked in the seventh year, it's exempt from Maser, that sounds like Rabbi said. Remember, it's exempt from both. Because the only time that you are obligated in Maser, is when the fruit grew bechiyuv grew at a time when there's an obligation of maserv and ilkat and it's also picked at a time that there's an obligation of maserv. And since this grew in the sixth year, but it was picked in the seventh year, it will not have shemitah. It will not have uh, maserv obligation. If fruit formed in the seventh year and entered into eighth year, he says you're exempt from both. Also, you're exempt from the uh, from the maserv as well as from the biur. And the chadavash chayav biur because there's nothing that's obli- that's treated as shemitah produce el imkin unless it was. Unless it took shape in the Shemitah year, and it also was picked in the Shemitah year. But if it was picked after the Shemitah year, so then it's no longer going to be considered Shvi'it anymore. So, uh, at least not for the, for the intent of the, uh, for in, insofar as the Bi'or is concerned and getting rid of the produce is concerned. So that's what, so now it goes like this. So the Gemara will say like, as follows. So the first part is contradicted to Rav Hamunah, because the first part seems to clearly support Rabbah in saying that if the fruits formed in the sixth year, even though you picked them in the seventh year, you do not um, you do not take maser. So that's exactly what Rabbah said, meaning that since for all practical purposes people treat it like shemitah produce and they'll take it like shemitah produce, therefore it's treated that way for maser as well. Okay, so that's that's the first part. But but the last part doesn't fit with Rabbah or Rav Hamnuna. It doesn't fit with either of them because it says that if the fruits formed in the seventh year. Uh, and they were picked in the eighth year. They're not considered shvi'it uh, because they weren't formed and picked during shemitah. But that's not what anybody said. Everybody agreed that if it formed in the seventh year, even though it was picked in the eighth year, that it is treated actually as seventh year produce and not eighth year. Um, and we don't care about the fact that it was picked afterwards. So that doesn't fit with anybody. So tonight he, it's actually a machloket tanaim. The tanaim as we said in the brayta, Amar Rabbi Yossi, Rabbi Yossi says, Rav Tulmus Heid Mishum Chamisha Zekinim. He, of uh, uh, Rabbi Yossi said that Avtormus testified in the name of five elders. Etrog That when it comes to an etrog, whenever it's picked, whatever year it's picked in, that is the year that determines its master obligations. If it's in the second year or the first year of the shemitah cycle, then it's going to be obligated in master or rishon that's given to Levi and master shini that's taken to Yerushalayim. If it's the third or the sixth year. Or, you know, and that would be the same if it was the fourth year. If it's the third or the sixth year, then it's obligated in Maser, Rishon given to Levi, and Maser Ani given to the poor. The rabbis in Usha voted and said, we always go by when you pick the Etrog, whether it's with regard to Maser or with regard to Shemitah. So the Gemara says, wait a second, Shvi'it, Mandekar Shemit didn't say anything about Shemitah in this discussion. Where did Shemitah come in here? The answer is that really there's something missing from this bright. This is what it should say. That really, when it comes to etrog, we always follow when you pick it. 
but we follow when it formed in the tree, when it, when it blossomed with respect to Shemitah. But the rabbis in Usha declared that when it comes to a, a trog, we're always going to follow when you picked it, even with regard to Shemitah. So even if it grew and it formed in Shemitah, but it was picked afterwards, it's not going to be considered Shemitah anymore. According to the rabbis of Usha, and that was what Rav Ham, that was what the the uh, Breita was saying that we saw <coughs> that had Rabbi Shimon ben uh, Rabbi Shimon ben Yehuda in the name of Rabbi Shimon. That in order to qualify as Shvi'it, it has to be grown and also picked in Shemitah. And since here <coughs> it was it, not that way, it was only it was picked after Shemitah. So therefore, the, the fruit that was grown during Shemitah and picked after Shemitah is not going to be considered Shemitah produce. Whereas according to the first opinion, according to the testimony that came in the, that Rabbi Yossi said that Avtolmus gave, um, the, uh, when it comes to Shemitah, the forming of the, the fact that the for, fruit formed during Shemitah is enough to make it be considered Shemitah produce even though it was picked afterwards. Itmar was stated as follows: Rabbi Yochanan Vayish Lakish Shamay to Avayu. Rabbi Yochanan Vayish Lakish said together: Etrog but Shishit Nechsanat Shviit. The Olam Shishit. When a when an Etrog forms in the sixth year and then it's picked in the seventh year, it's considered like a sixth year fruit. Ki Ata Ravin Amar Rabbi Yochanan Etrog but Shishit Nechsanat Shviit. Similarly, Ravin said in Rabbi Yochanan that if you have an Etrog that's in that was that formed and blossomed in the sixth year, but Shnechsanat Shviit, but it went into the seventh year, I feel kazayit, even if it was as small as an olive. But I said kikar, and it became as big as a loaf. In other words, it grew mostly during Shviit. It's still you're still liable because of tevel. In other words, it's still obligated in tithing and shulba and everything. It's not considered shemitah, even though it only grew a tiny bit before shemitah and then it grew a huge amount during shemitah. It's still considered pre shemitah produce and not shemitah produce. If you have a fruit a fruit tree that its fruits formed on it. Before Tu Bishvat, mit Asil Shana Shavat, then it then it goes together with the fruits of the previous year when you're dealing with uh, separating tithes and Shuma. Achar Tu Bishvat, if it was after Tu Bishvat, so mit Asil Shana Abbas, so then it's if it, if the fruit formed after Tu Bishvat, so then it goes with the fruit of the upcoming year. Amar Binach Nechemia, b'Medvar Mamorim bilan sheosheshtek brichot b'Shana. That's only when you have a tree that makes two brichot, that makes two batches of fruit each year. Shte brichot, what do you mean? Shte brichot means that two broods of animals. So what do you mean? The trees don't make those. Meaning it's like two broods, I mean, just like certain animals um, have two mating seasons a year. This fruit tree produces the fruit in shifts. But if you have a tree that all the fruit becomes ripe at once, not in shifts. Kigon de Kalim, such as the uh, the dekel, the uh, the palm tree, vizetim, the olives, charovin, the carobs, even though the fruit became formed on the tree before they're still going to be subject to the master of the upcoming year, uh, not of the year in which they formed. Because uh, we're going to go by when they are picked. Uh, which is going to be later. Now the Gemara says, Everybody follows Rabbi Nechemiah with regard to Chauvin, with regard to Caribs, that when they're picked determines when, they're, when they are going to be um, considered to, uh, uh, to be, uh, you know, the, their master obligations are going to be fixed based upon that. And, uh, and that, because Rabbi Nechemiah said that if the that the only time that we are concerned that we distinguish and we say that certain that fruits that developed before Tu are are related to the previous year and the ones that are that develop 
after Tu B'Shvat are related to the next year. That whole thing is only when a tree produces more than one batch of fruit per, per year. But when all the fruit becomes ripe at once, so then, and we pick it usually all at once, so then um, it goes by that point. Uh, whenever you pick it, that's what's going to determine the year that the Maser is established by. Now, that's, uh, and that was for Charuvi. He said that, that with regard to Caribs, we follow Rabbi, we follow Rabbi uh, Nehemiah, that uh, since they're generally all picked together, and they all form and ripen around the same time. So therefore, they're all re- related from Maser to the upcoming year, not the previous year. That the Benotruach, these certain types of, um, of uh, white figs, uh, these white figs that were, uh, the, and Tosafot has a whole discussion here, are they inferior quality? Are they superior quality? It's a discussion Tosafot brings in a couple of places. <clears throat> but the point is that when are they considered Shemitah produce? In the second year of the Shemitah cycle, meaning during the Shvi'it, whatever white figs you see out would not be, would, did not grow any time recently. If you see in the year after Shemitah, also not. The two years after Shemitah, now if you see the, um, you know, now if you see the uh, fruit out there, that's the fruit that grew during Shemitah. In other words, whatever started growing during Shemitah didn't finish until the second year of the upcoming Shemitah cycle, and that's why you can't benefit from those benotchuach, from those types of figs. Amalei Rabbi Abba. So then what happened? Ishtik. So it says that Rabbi Yochanan was quiet. He didn't, uh, he didn't respond, because apparently he thought that um, that was a good objection. That was a strong objection. Why would it be that those white figs uh, that form during Shemitah, even though they're harvested much later, why are they considered to not go by when they're harvested? Ah, because we go by when they're formed. Right? That's the, that's the conclusion. So it says, Ishtik, Rabbi Yochanan didn't answer. Amalei Rabbi Abba Kohen, the Rabbi Yossi, Rabbi Abba Kohen says, Rabbi Yossi HaKohen. He said, Amai Ishtik, why was he quiet? Why didn't he just say back to him? You're telling me about Rabbi Nechemia, and, and I'm telling you about Rabbi Nechemia, and you're talking to me about the rabbis. In other words, when I was saying that Lachafal is Rabbi Nechemia, I meant I know that everyone else doesn't agree with that. And then you quote to me things from the rabbis, but the rabbis are, uh, we know already that the rabbis are in an argument with, um, with Rabbi Nechemia, so why would we have to, uh, uh, you know, so if you're already going to say, that uh, uh, if I'm already telling you that I'm following Rabbi Nechemia, so just telling what the rabbis say doesn't, doesn't help because obviously the rabbis uh, disagreed with Rabbi Nechemia. So this position about the, the figs is going to be attributed to the rabbis, but that's not what Rabbi Nechemia holds. So, uh, so, so why, did Rabbi Yochan, why was Rabbi Yochanan silent in the face of this objection? He just should have said, that's the rabbis. I'm talking about uh, Rabbi Nechemia. Because then the follow-up would have been, Rish Lakish would have said, yeah, but why would you leave behind the rabbis and follow Rabbi Nechemia? You should follow Rabbi, the rabbis, not Rabbi Nechemia. Also Rabbi Yochanan, why didn't Rabbi Yochanan just say, I'm talking about the minhag. I said the minhag is that people with respect to, uh, you know, when it comes to charuvin, when it comes to the, to the Caribs, the minhag was that they followed Rabbi Nechemia. Why does it? Why doesn't he just say to him, "I'm talking about a minhag. I'm not talking about the halacha. The halacha might follow the chachamim, but the minhag follows Rabbi Nechemia." So he says, "No. How could that be?" That's uh, uh, so he said. Um, 
So the Amar Lebim, Akomi Suaki, Nagush of Kinale, because Rish Lakish could have answered Rabbi Yochanan and said, What are you talking about? If you really think it's prohibited, how could you endorse the Minhag that goes against that? A custom can't go against the halacha. Velemalei could have said, Kihim Kamina, Kiamina Lach, Anam, Asechauvin, the Rabbanan. I'm only, that's only talking about in that Mishnah that you quoted, the, the figs that are, their, their Maser, I'm sorry, the, um, when I told you that we go by when you pick the fruit, I was talking about charuvin de rabbanan. I was talking about carobs. That's only rabbinic obligation to separate the maser. But you're bringing me proofs from shemitah, which is the right. That's a totally different thing, All right? So, uh, so the Gemara says that. Uh, in other words, he could have said to him, I'm talking to you about Charuvin, where the separating of tithes from carobs is only Dorabanan. And you're bringing me a proof about Shemitah Deoraita, the things that are subject to Shemitah Deoraita, uh, that they could still be subject to it two years later because it actually grew, the bulk of it grew during Shemitah. That's a totally different thing. So why didn't Rabbi Yochanan just tell him one of these answers? Oh, uh, you know, even the simplest one that uh, you're talking about a deoraita, I'm talking about a deorabanan. El Amar Kohen to Miani im Heshiva Reish Lakish Chuvazo. That he said, I would be surprised if Reish Lakish really raised this objection to Rabbi Yochanan. Right? So it says Ha Otva, but he actually did. What do you mean? I would be surprised if he did it. We know that he did. The answer is El Ema im Kibla Rabbi Yochanan im Lo Kibla. That he said. Uh, um, whether Rabbi Yochanan accepted it or not. So Rashi says, In other words, it could be that uh, the problem is, did Rabbi Yochanan accept it or not? In other words, maybe Rabbi Yochanan was quiet because he thought it was a silly question, because it was obvious that one thing is Deoraita and one thing is Deorabanan. Why would you compare the two when Rashi says that Maser Perota Ilan Deorabanan? Not everybody agrees with that totally. The Rambam doesn't agree with that totally. But according to Rashi, the separating of tithes from fruits from trees is only Deorabanan anyway. Right? So it's a, so uh, you could say that he just thought it was obvious and he didn't bother saying anything. So we don't know. In other words, did Rabbi Yochanan see the point of Rish Lakish, or was Rabbi Yochanan quiet because the point was so obviously wrong that he didn't see any reason to respond to the question of Rish Lakish. So in the end, we have this uh, distinction that the Charuvin, according to Rabbi Yochanan, the Minhag is with regard to carobs that we go by when they're picked, even though with many other fruits that are subject to the laws of uh, Maser de Oraita, we go by when they're formed and not by when they're picked.